test God. Keep playing that journey. Is this your prayer this morning? Please remain standing and turning your Bible this morning to the book of Romans, chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 through 2. And then, Elisha, after that, will you pray for Daddy that God would anoint him for this morning? Okay. Romans 12, 1 through 2 should be on your screens here as well. If you're there, say amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, those of you that are blood-bought, reborn, made new, by the mercies of God that you would present yourselves a living sacrifice, that you would present yourself holy, that you would present yourself acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. It's your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you, your life, your choices, your expressions, your priorities, that you would prove what is good, what is acceptable to God, perfect, mature, that your life would prove the will of God in your days. Very quickly, let me just say this, and then Elisha, I'm going to ask you to pray. You'll hold this for me? Can I trust you to hold it and not say nothing yet? Okay. The world in which we live in today is going through an intentional, strategic push to erase every line of boundary so as to bring us into a rel relativistic illusion, a, wor a world where there's no right or wrong, holy or unholy, male or female, truth or error, righteous or unrighteous, just relativism, your truth. One can self-identify as anything they choose, then demand for others to play along with their self-imposed lies and delusion, a place where reality does not exist except in the mind of the individual. But the truth is, most things in life are either or. We continue this summer series uh, by God's grace on our walk with the Lord, and we're going to speak about either or. Elisha, would you pray for Daddy? Just hold it close and then pray for me. God, um, all the wonderful things you have gave us, we thank you for all that and everything 
and everything you gave us. We want to give other people what we have and spread it all apart. And you, we love you, God, and you are our strength and in our weakness. That was so Amen. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Will you go to Mama? You may be seated. You're our strength and our weakness. We still didn't pray for Daddy, but we're going to get there. We're going <laughs> I read through that, but allow me just to, um, I was trying to fit that in with my boy praying, and I want to make sure that it's clear to you. First the natural, then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. We are wrestling with principalities and powers in simple, subtle ways that if you don't see it, you won't see it. This, no difference between a boy or a girl. There's 36 genders. There's, there's no truth. There's no error. There's, uh, uh, there's no reality except what you create and decide for you the reason for that, the spirit of this age is because if we can blur the lines in the natural, we can blur the lines in the spiritual. But the truth is, in the world, it's either or. There are gray areas, but they are few and far between. It's black or white. It's either or. You're not kind of pregnant. Any more than you can kind of shoot a shotgun. <laughs> you're, you're either either or. You're either male or female. You're either young or transitioning to old. <laughs> and for those of you that have crossed 40, don't worry. It only gets worse. It's good. You're either pretty. Well, you know. Now, you can vary towards the middle, but the push for this in the natural is to make fuzzy that in the spiritual so that there's gray areas about your salvation, gray areas about faith, gray areas about lordship, gray areas about rewards, gray areas about what God expects of you. And for us as Christians, we should have a black and white faith and either or, either you're for me or you're against me, God said. Well, I'm kind of in the middle. No. God said, I'd rather you be cold. Now, that, that'll wreck your theology. So you'd rather be cold towards you than lukewarm. Yes. John, it's either or. Either all in or all out. Either live unto me or live unto yourself. The premise of this series is early on in my faith as an adult when I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we'll get to surrender in just a moment. Um, people used to say, they'd use the phrase, their walk with the Lord, my walk with the Lord. They'd say they have a precious walk with the Lord. They have a, a tender walk with the Lord. I, I admire, I envy that walk with the Lord. Nobody talks about that now. We talk about gifts and abilities and Christian celebrity, their 
is no such thing, should not be such a thing as a Christian celebrity. Anybody that stands near the Son of God withers into insignificance, and we praise Him and give glory to Him. It's not sharing of glory, sharing of affections. There should be an all-inclusiveness to our faith to where when someone asks, and as a pastor, and those of you who've been in ministry, you ask someone, they'll be talking about a relative, please pray for them. I say, they say, they go, well, well uh, just time out. You have to pause? That's that gray area slipping over. You see, to where we say, I'm not, yeah, we know. If you pause, you know. Right? Is your husband faithful? Well, uh, if you pause, you know. And so I'm going to exhort, provoke this morning and uh, speak to you on the subject of either or. Do you mind very quickly? I know you don't. It's rhetorical. I just want to pray for myself. Do you mind? Father, what Wade said, yeah, I can get up and talk. But if your spirit doesn't anoint me, nothing avails. No help. And we want your word to speak to us. Lord, when people talk about revival and when they talk about the miraculous and signs and wonders, this is the sign I long for, Lord. This is the wonder that I long for as a pastor, that we would hear the word of God and it would come alive in our heart and we would respond to it and grow thereby and bring great honor and glory to you. The sign of transformation in our lives, God, this is what I ask for. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Only three this morning on either or, and the, and the list could be exhaustive. But as we examine our heart this morning, I want to ask you number one, either or, either surrendered or defiant. Either you are surrendered or defiant. Now, there can be levels of defiance. But in reality, is there any such thing as a partial surrender? How many military people we have served in the military? By the way, thank you. Can we honor them with a hand this morning? Thank you. Can you imagine being on the field of, of, of combat and word got out that our enemy who has killed our, our brothers and sisters beside us, who has bombed us, They've kind of surrendered. There is no such thing as a partial surrender. But in the church, we say, well, I'm, I'm progressing. Not, not in surrender. The only progressive in the Christian life is the stages of transformation and the stages of maturity. Surrender is to happen immediately. Upon revelation, surrendered. How can you have a salvation and not have a lordship? I, 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 he's my savior. He just ain't lord yet. He's the same person. Do you see how it creeps in to our theology as well? So you've dissected the Lamb of God from the Son of God? Why is it that worship looks exactly like what it looks like when somebody puts a gun in your back? Hey, 
Why is it that worship looks like, you got me, I'm yours? Are there areas in your life right now where you say, yes, I'm a Christian, but that's defiance. That's rebellion. How do you know, Pastor John? Because I've rebelled. I know what rebellion looks like. How do I know what squash casserole looks like? I've ate it. How, I, how do you know what rebellion looks like? Where you can hear the word of God and say, yeah, but. Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. As in most everything else, this too is a matter of personal choice. You present your body to God. God will not do it for you and other people cannot do it for you. Since he purchased you, you present to him that which he purchased. And you were purchased not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. You present yourself. Here I am, Lord. I am yours. This is done by revelation. I've quoted this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When we see in the word of God that I was purchased, there shouldn't be a problem. When you purchase a car, it's yours. What if you purchase from the dealership and you sign, now they're loaning for 10 years, 12 years. I, I saw a car in a showroom I lie not, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. This is what I saw. $111,000. My first house was $48,000. You hear me? But can you imagine you sign, you put your down payment on, you drive out, and the dealership comes and takes it out of your driveway. You buy it on Saturday, they take it out of your driveway on Tuesday. And you go, what is your problem? They said, I was just using it for today. What do you mean you're just using it for today? We just needed it. One of our salesperson's car broke down, so we was going to let yours be his demo today. I'm going to bring it back Wednesday. Yeah, have you lost your mind? I purchased that car. So when I have the revelation, I am a purchased possession. That changes how I view my past taken care of. We got that part. He bought me. He took care of my past. Well, he bought your today. And he bought your tomorrow. Surrender happens through revela revelation. When I see that not only am I a son, but I am owned. I'm a purchased possession. This surrender, I said, is a matter of personal choice. We're to surrender in humility. 1 Peter 5. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You don't submit begrudgingly in humility. You ever heard anybody testify and you thought by the time they were done, you thought they were wonderful? After all they gave up, all they gave up, all that depression, all that sin, and addiction, and regret. But for us who are believers... When we surrender, when we give our lives to the Lord, it's, it's willingly, it's in humility. It said, who am I that you would let me walk with you? Who am I that you would put your spirit in me? We just sing it like it's no big deal. I house 
the person of Jesus Christ, the wind, the ark of God, the mark of God, marked until the day of redemption, sealed with the earnest of his spirit. I offer you my body. I offer you my future in humility that you would let me offer you something you would accept. Ain't no sacrifice. Well, you know, I've been serving for four Sundays. Quit. Just quit. Do God and all the saints a favor. I'm, I'm being serious. You, you, you know how customer service is gone? Anybody realize it's gone? That ship has sailed. Oh, it's in the church too. Cooked two pies this month. Nobody called me. Quit. Just quit. You know what needs to happen in our heart? I get the chance. Hey, brother, I get the chance to cut his grass. Glory to God. For you, O oh Lord. Unto you, O oh Lord. There's a humility in the offering of our lives. The issue is not how could God require the issue is, how could I give God anything he'd take? That's humility of my... By the way, if you think more the other way, God said, I resist you. I'm going to bring it home to the fellows. Girls, you wouldn't understand this. You ever tried to court a girl and she resisted you? I, I'll get closer. I, I know how to get there. Those of you have been married longer than two weeks. And your wife's mad at you and she's resisting you. And then when you try to do your little thing and she sees it coming and she calls you out and tells you what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you just, if I could do if it, and you just like a little boy, you're right. <laughs> Skilled. God wired them innately. But we're smarter. Women look at me. They were all happy and laughing anyway. Look at me. I can prove it. You married us. Who's smarter? So if a woman knows how to resist a man and a parent knows how to resist a child, what is it when God resists you? He folds his arms and said, everything you're doing, I'm going to reject it and oppose it. Thwart everything they're doing. Because they're arrogant and proud and they think that their service unto me is glorious because they gave it instead of because I receive it. This weekend, I have had the privilege of walking with the Lord 35 years. And it is reasonable. I've been preaching 34 and a half years. And but listen, and I'm grateful for any encouragement, but the issue is not... How glorious is it that you preached for 35 years? No, it's that he let me. Do you know how I view myself? I don't want to know how you view me. because I'm like, Hey, I have to see a therapist. But do you know how I view myself? This is being honest. And I know the Lord's listening to me. I view myself like Elisha up here on the stage, and I got a hat and a jersey, and I get to play ball with him. Ain't nothing but a little boy that's growing old. And he says, you want to be on my team? Mm -hmm. John, is there glory in preaching? There's glory in preaching for you. John, who are you? I'm emphasis, your preacher. 
You see, not your small letters, preacher. There should be a humility of heart, a willingness, and a, and a freely giving our life in sincerity, giving our life sincerely and in truth. Don't, don't project. By project, you ever met somebody and they have a persona they project out there? Uh, I decided early, early in my ministry that I wasn't going to act. You ever seen a preacher and they, how are you? We're glad to have you today. Is this your wife and baby's good? And they get on the platform. If you have your Bibles, turn. You go, whoa, who's that guy? He changed. Well, what happened? Well, that's the preacher guy. And he's acting. And I, I saw a duplicity. And I'm not saying, I don't know their heart, but I'm thinking, you know my down-sitting and my uprising and my thoughts are far off even before I think them. I dare not act like I am this if I am this. I would rather you think small of me because you know the real me than for you to think highly of me and God judge me for lying to the Holy Spirit. Ask Ananias and Sapphira about that. This is how much we give to the Lord. And they drop dead in church. And the other spouse comes in and the preacher says, uh, did you and your husband give this to the Lord? Yes. Why did you reason amongst yourselves to lie to the Holy Spirit? When it was in your possession, wasn't it yours to do with as you see fit? See those feet in the doorway? They carried your husband out and they're going to carry you out. Bam, they dropped dead. Can you imagine if that happened today? I'd be preaching about four people Sunday. Is your Christian walk in sincerity and truth? One of the safest prayers to pray when you come before the Lord, privately and publicly, thou knowest. Thou knowest, O oh Lord. I had someone, and I know their heart. They kind of came up to me one Sunday and said, when you pray all the time, you... You say, Father, you know I'm just an unprofitable servant. You, you shouldn't uh, berate yourself. I said, whoa, I wasn't berating myself. He knows. He knows the duplicity of heart. He knows mixed motives. He knows those things. And what I'm trying to do is stand before him and say, I don't want you to think I'm projecting myself as uh, a, a mini Jesus, oh Lord. Any good thing in my life is because of your grace and your spirit. And at best, I'm unprofitable, but I am yours. And then I get him approving of me because I'm not arrogant or proud. He resisteth proud people. They ought to be glad I came. You ought to stay home. You're worse coming, acting a certain way. Anyway, y'all got, got that? Okay, okay. We present ourselves in full knowledge of the cost. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Do I need to tell you what sacrifice looks like? Death. When I come before you, Lord, I give you my life and my desires. And what it, what it means to a living sacrifice, which means I'm going to allow you, O oh Lord, to put to death my desires as I obey your word. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, put to death his desires, Pick up his cross, which is God's will. That's what that is. Pick up your cross, not Jesus' cross. The cross Jesus carried was the Father's will for him. So you pick up your cross and you follow him. The cost is you 
are in second or third. God, family, others, you. That's a narrow pathway. This surrender has more to do with whose you are than who you are. And listen to this one statement. This is very important. Your resistance to surrender and your resistance to allowing God to break your independent spirit may explain much of the difficulty, pain, and frustration in your life. God's trying to get you to bow the knee in absolute surrender to Him and His Word. And if you don't perceive the wheel, the potter's wheel, if you don't perceive why the fingers are going into you, why he's reshaping and remolding, the, the, the chastening of the Lord, God tells us in his word, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Because every one son, every daughter that he loves, he chastens, he, he prunes, he purges. Don't think that you're going to present God a life and he's not going to shape that life and change that life. So, Pastor John, you're thinking this last year might be him resisting me and changing me? Ask him. I know that when we don't submit, you know that we, we take verses and we use them for our benefit. The Lord doesn't grow weary. And he doesn't grow weary in disciplining you either. He said, I'm good. I can go for... Ever. <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm just simple like that. I'm like, he'll outlive you. Anyway, I better move on. Somebody lost their joy right there at one. All right, we ain't got but three. Okay, number two. You're either being conformed or transformed. Hebrews 12, 2a. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a reason that the media industry calls television programs. Programming. We are going to create your priority system by what you watch. We're going to create your moral standards by what you watch. We're going to create your idea of what family is, what your idea of relationships are, what your idea of marriage is. You're either being conformed, shaped, now watch this, from the outside in, or you're being transformed from the inside out. And the pressure of this world is relentless. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the devil sees to it, him and principalities and powers, that it strategically puts pressure on you in the place that you're most vulnerable. He tries to conform you through, uh, like right now, he's conforming some of you into silent Christians because if you speak up, it costs you at work. It costs you in your relationships. It costs you to answer. How many genders are there? Two. How, this person, and th they're identifying as, well, I identified as a young millionaire that weighs 175. How's it working? How's it work? Now, you don't have to say it like that. I said that for a laugh. 
you know. But we're quiet because the pressure to conform, if you conform, if you're silent, if you side with Oprah, there's got to be more than one way. There are many ways to God, and you're quiet. You get the world's acceptance and God's displeasure and God's judgment. Conform or transform. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let them shape you from outside pressure, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through the washing of the word, it's not through you deciding to change. Okay, it's not through self-help, self-assessment. It's by eating the word of God, drinking of his spirit, and in surrender, he changes you. It's not you taking an evaluation and I'm, I'm going to be more patient this year if it kills me. Well, it will kill you. And it will kill everybody you live with. I can prove it to you. I'm going to be more patient this year. This week, I'm going to be more patient. And the harder you try, the more you realize you can't change you. But in humility of heart, if the Spirit says, apologize to your children. Apologize. Does anybody else besides me have to kneel in front of your children and ask them, will you pray for Daddy that he won't be a butt? You do that? Yes, I do. Why? It assaults my pride, and it allows the Holy Spirit the opportunity to change me because I can't change those fleshly, carnal traits, but I can, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of my body through transformation. You don't see no apple tree out in the field. I'm growing me some apples today. I'm going to... What's it look like on the limb? Nothing over here, catfish, nothing. Pour a little water. Okay. Yeah! That's how you try to be fruitful. Abide in me. Abide means full surrender. Watch. Full connection. And the sap flows unhindered. And everything he is, we become. We partake of his peace. We become joyful, not by choosing to be joyful, but the joy of the Lord, the sap flows through. Do you see? The transformation takes place through surrender, not effort. We are being changed from glory to glory. Who does the changing? God. God. God does the changing. See, if it was effort, then you would have reason to glory. I'm not being, Christianity is not an imitation. It's a transformation. You should be ever changing. You just, you ought to have a sign around your neck all the time. Pardon my progress. You ever go shopping somewhere and they got the sheetrock all in the floor and the roof's messed up and they're still selling clothes and everything got dust on it and everything. Or you go to eat and all that, you wonder where all that sheetrock dust went into macaroni or something. You're, you're thinking, and they said, pardon our progress. Now, in the world, we're like, y'all need to finish up this progress before you, I don't know if my mashed potatoes are white because of fallout or if it's, you know. But in your Christian life, I just submit this to you. The older I get, I've learned this. I don't know of a time that we're ever together. Just get it all together. Get it cleaned up and polished. And then I, No, the Holy Spirit's steady. Saying, 
Let, now let's rip this wall out. Let's rip this out. I don't like this. It is, me and Kelly have decided, first of all, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Some of y'all lie. You know you lie every time company comes over? Did you know you lie? Some of you. Some of you. Oh, come on in, y'all. Pardon the mess. You know what we say? Come on in. This is the best this has looked in six months. We, we knew y'all was coming, and we've been cleaning since noon. Come on in and look around. Y'all want to go upstairs? Look in the closet. <laughs> Seriously, we tell you the truth. Look around. You want to see the refrigerator? We clean out the refrigerator. Elisha taking them in to look at the bathrooms. Y'all look, ooh, look, look. This week, this last week, we put down geoengineered wood because it's half the price. You can look it up. The hardwood's really nice. Put it downstairs. We had three huge rooms, and everything that was in the room was in the driveway. So you can imagine with my OCD how happy I was and how pleasant I was. And I'm, I'm walking in the house, and I'm like, for the love of God and everything pure and holy, let's get this, pardon our progress. And when it was completed, everybody that walks in goes, this is beautiful. Man, this is nice. You know what transformation looks like? Upheaval, upheaval, upheaval. And then in your quiet of your soul, God walks in and goes, this is nice. I am comfortable here. I'm at home here. I think I'm going to reside here. Isn't that beautiful? The world conforms us outside in. The Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. The world conforms by external pressure. The Holy Spirit uses internal promptings. The world conforms us through deception, darkness, and error, while the Holy Spirit uses truth and light. The world can only modify your behavior, but it has nothing to change the person. The flesh cannot be rehabilitated. That's why we must apply the cross to our old nature. Romans 6, knowing this, that your old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Many of us are trying to rehabilitate our flesh instead of surrendering, taking the death sentence. There is nothing salvageable in me, O God. So I reckon myself uh, accounting I, like an accounting you add it I, I reckon myself to have died with Christ nevertheless I live and the life that I now live I live by the faith of the son of God who gave himself for me this man can't be rehabilitated so make me anew transform me every time I worship him in spirit and truth I'm being changed Every time I read his word, I'm being changed. And if I obey the word, I'm being changed. Every time I, I bow my knee, when some, you know, any of you used to have a, a cursing tongue beside me? Anybody besides me? I, man, I curse you five minutes and not say the same word twice. I was bad. I don't say that bragging about it. I was. And see, somebody will say something at you. And every time I remember to... Uh, cover to hold my tongue and I bow my knee and I said you're getting off easy you're getting off easy here I just 
you know, you walk off. I was gonna say something about your wife, but I didn't. I didn't. I knew you worked. You know, that wig. She ain't fooling nobody. It's unbelievable. That's what it is. It's unbelievable. It's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But every time we respond to the word, every time those of you who used to be selfish, now you're generous. Every time you do that, you put to death the old man. Anybody else before you became Christian, you were just tight? Anybody? Come on, confession's good for the soul. You just kind of, okay, all right. First time you give somebody $50, you feel like you're going to die. You're like, they didn't earn it. What if, what if I'm giving it to them and they've squandered, the, you know, and then the second time you give them $100 or, you know, and I remember the first time I gave a car away. I, I thought I was going to have to go to the emergency room. I did. A missionary come. First new car I ever had. I had it like three months. I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me and said, sell it and give them all the equity. My car. My car. I just went up from a hoopty to a good car and then back to the hoopty again. So what, what are you saying, John? I'm saying this is what it looks like. My flesh will always choose me. And every time you, through the Spirit, mortify, put to death your flesh, you are being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Transformation. And this is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. You cooperate, but you are not the force, the power. You don't bring the change. You just work with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as it work, quickening us for new birth, John 3. At work, delivering us from the power of darkness and translating us into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1. The Holy Spirit rewiring and rewriting the truest part of who we are. 2 Corinthians 5, if any of us be in Christ, we're a new creature. Old things have passed away. God makes all things new. At work, the Holy Spirit working in us, convicting us when we violate his word, his will, or when we grieve him. At work, bringing Christ front and center, giving him preeminence in our lives. And at work, pruning back the unnecessary and the dead things. Listen to this in John 15. I'm the true vine and my father is the husbandman. And every branch in me, so that's you, every branch, and from your life the branches that come out, every branch that does not bear fruit, I'm going to take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, I'm going to purge it, that it may bring forth much fruit. Now, this is going to be very hard because you know the implication of it. I want you to think as I say this, and I want you to repeat it in awareness. Everything. Come on. Say it with me. Everything. In me that doesn't bear fruit. God's going to take it away. What does that mean? I don't know, but it's going to be tough. <laughs> I don't know what's ahead of you. I can only look behind me. You know how God told us everything in the beginning we might not have went? Everything. Everything. He said, I'm going to take it away. And everywhere you're fruitful, I'm going to cut you back. What does that mean? That beautiful thing in your life? Snip. Flower falls. Excuse me. I just started to, there was just a, I had a little bud, a little, a little ease, 
little comfort, a little beauty. Snip, snip. Sometimes, you know that, remember that little thing that goes, rant, rant, rant. You know, Grandma had one of those little shears, you know, it made the little noise. Rant, rant, rant. And you hear that come, you go, God. Rant, rant, rant. You know, God. And then when you hear, ha, ha, you go, God, no. I remember I went through, I mean, I've all, been pruned ever since I got saved. Just nonstop pruning. And he has pulled out chainsaws. And I was in a season in my life, I'm just going to summarize, and I don't mean this at all disrespect. I'm just telling you, I said, you done cut everything out. Ain't nothing left. And I was going to preach a sermon called Sap Squirting Stumps. I was going to show him. I just cut you back to where you're just a stump shooting sap out. And you know I can't preach it. The Lord's like, oh, is that what you want to preach about? I'm like, you just you cut everything back. He said, because... I want you to be more fruitful. When you see it as him tending the garden of your heart and the hands that cut you back have holes in them. You see? Or the Father tends us, but Christ who's assisting, you, you know there's a love and care there. Why, why would you cut that out of my life? So you could be more fruitful. So you could be more humble. So you could be more useful. So you could bring more glory to the Lord. So in eternity, you will have more reward. It's God's, listen, this is not selfishness. It's God's desire and design to reward you so that more glory can be to his son. Finally, number three. Well, let me just say this real quick. This transformation is to make us new every day, in every way, in every moment. God doesn't waste a moment in transforming you. Finally, number three, either or. We're either honorable or dishonorable. Hebrews 12.2 says that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We talked about in weeks one and two, consecration and sanctification. That brings God honor. In 2 Timothy 2, it tells us that. Being honorable. Honorable. See, the story of the prodigal had a story of two sons. One of them brought honor to his father and one was dishonorable. In actuality, both became dishonorable. But you have the option. Not every son is an honorable son. You can be a dishonorable son as well. Being honorable in all of your relationships. Honoring God in your romantic relationships. Honoring God in your friendships. Honoring God in your family relationships. Honoring God in business relationships. Honoring God in work relationships. Serving your boss as unto the Lord. Not to the point where you violate God's will or scriptures. We don't serve him based on who he is. We serve him based on whose we are. And we honor the Lord in relationships. It's a choice. It's revelation. And it does a transforming work because the natural mind says, I'm not going to honor you because you're not worthy of honor. No, but the Lord that commissioned us is. May I go one step further? What honor is there 
in the day-to-day -day nuances. All you moms, you got 4.5, 5.5 kids. Say, so what's a point .5? You know, six kids, seven kids, and the husband's working all he can work, and you're at home, and, and you, you're just, you're watching kids that Jesus wouldn't watch. You know, you're, you're, you're picking up, cleaning up. You don't know if you're coming or going. Mama is the first word of every sentence of the day. And you're cleaning diapers. You got one kid on one hip, one on the head, two in a stroller. You know, one's just run to the neighbors. And, and, and I'm using the exaggeration, but it's not. Where's the, where's the honor? Honor. In those minutia moments. Only when we're doing it unto the Lord. Unto you, O oh Lord, do I raise these babies. Then and only then do we get that same feeling as if all the kids lined up, all the kids were grateful, the husband was grateful, everybody on Facebook said, you're the best mom ever, and we started it. But when we feel that unto you, O oh Lord, and he says, take care of my babies. There's a preciousness there, you see? Honoring God in relationships. Slow to anger. Slow to wrath. Speak evil of no man. That doesn't mean you can't correct lies. But you're not the one to make someone feel small. Don't ever be the type person that makes someone feel small. Or insignificant. Honoring the Lord in your relationships. Brooke, if you would come please. Honoring the Lord with your fruitfulness. Honoring the Lord by loving and serving other people. Loving and serving. Loving and serving. Many years ago, you know, as you get older, it went from some years ago to many years ago. The Lord brought a scripture as I was studying front and center to me. It was like, and it's not audible, you know, it's just an impression. This is your verse. As often as you have opportunity, do good to all men, especially those in the household of faith. And I remember saying out loud, I was like, as often as I have opportunity, that's like all the time. You're quick, John. That's the way. You're just quick. You're sharp like that. As often as you have opportunity, Lord, that means I'm going to live my life for you and other people. I'll still be able to enjoy my life. But I live my life for God by loving Him and serving people. I love it when guys that have uh, uh, expressions. I know a guy that would go out and cut widows' yards on a certain day of the month. He calls them his Jesus yards. He says, That's my Jesus yards. And I asked him about it. I said, Do you tell him you're coming? No. This is my Jesus yards. Those that go visit the elderly and the elderly don't even know they're there. Comes my Jesus visits. Honorable in our serving. I thank the Lord for our media, our ministry. I honestly do, the online. But you know what's the missing thing? I just get my church on the internet. Who do you serve? Who do you love? Who do you greet Who, in this body, this local body? And then outside, honorable. 
bringing God honor with the stewardship of your gifts, talents, opportunities, time and resources. In 27 years, however long since we've pastored, I've, I've thought of this many times and I've I know ministers that try to manipulate people to give. And I never have, not one time. And I won't today. But there are people in our church and in other churches who don't give God anything. They don't give Him nothing. They spend more on getting their hair cut than they do on God Almighty. I don't know how that could make you mad unless you are stingy towards God. God wants us to be blessed. I believe that. But he wants us to be liberal with him like we are with our wife and babies and others. It's for you, King Jesus. It's for you. It's for you for you. I don't give to no John Wood or Christ Chapel, but to you, O oh Lord. Bringing him honor by intentional, spontaneous expressions of praise and worship, by being patient in sufferings and our forbearance in fiery trials. Let me read this verse, 1 Peter 1. Hey, brethren, Greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Because the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold that perished, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you haven't seen him, but you love him. Though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Honoring the Lord. In sufferings. Tell the truth and honor the Lord. Say, so how are you? It's been the hardest year of my Christian life. But God has been so good to me. You'd say, and God, it hasn't been the most hard of my life. I'm saying what people could say. But God, you've been so good to me. Great is your name, O Lord. See, we honor him during those seasons. I think one of the most beautiful expressions in the life of a believer is when they wipe tears with one hand and they worship God with the other. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we honor Him, finally, by our earnest expectation and preparation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ for the church, the Bible said in the last days, there would become scoffers, mockers. Even in the church now, if you believe that Christ is coming for his church, you're, you know, it's, that's just escapism. I had one guy tell me, he said, that's just escape theology. Well, the Bible says, pray that you might escape the great and terrible day of the Lord. Yeah, that's what that is, yeah. What is it, mama, you say, prayed up, packed up, and ready to go. I honor him 
by earnest expectation. Let me tell you about my boy Elisha, one of my many things I love about him. He enjoys the moment more than any person, old or young, I've ever known in my life. You can say the simplest thing. Y'all want to go to the pool? Like this. He's just like, he just loves it and he's, he just enjoys. You want to go to pinstripes? And it just starts, you know, it's like builds up in him and it just comes out this joy I think it brings the Lord honor when we think about home and going home and everything's packed up I like to picture myself in a hot air balloon you're supposed to have 10 ropes I got one piece of dental floss hanging tied down all the ropes are gone and it's just straining like this and I'm ready for that lat, that trump to go off and we go home this morning I hope I gave you something to think about, something to go home and ask yourself, either or. I'm finishing right here, so bear with me. Do I love him or I don't? Am I consecrated or am I not? Am I sanctified, set apart from the world, or am I not? Do I serve the Lord? faithfully and with gladness or do I not am I rich towards the Lord or am I not am I humble or am I pride filled we are either or and we are one repentant prayer away from transformation we're being changed we all got a long way to go nobody's perfect but you can have a perfect heart by perfect heart, I mean surrendered. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just bow your heads and take a moment? And I'm going to ask all of you to do this, if you will. Out loud, but just loud enough for you to hear yourself. Just talk to God about what you heard. Josh, would you go ahead and play that song to close us out today? I got something that's just going to seal this morning for all of us who are His.
turn this on for me. Tom, would you come up just a minute? Uh, Brooke, if you play for me. Uh, Tom had some news a couple weeks ago, and I looked for him uh, last week. All week long, I've just thanked the Lord. All week long, I would think of you and the news you gave, and I knew you wouldn't mind taking the opportunity to thank the Lord for this miracle. So, <laughs> is that all right? Come on, Tom. Tell him what the Lord... I love you. I was mowing yesterday thanking the Lord for what you had said. I said, God, thank you for doing that for Tom. For those of you that don't know, um, I have had cancer removed. It is completely gone. So praise God for all that. What's most important is I believed it from the beginning that uh, he was to heal me. So that was the prayer, and he carried me through it. So it is, it is done. Uh, it is written and it is done. So amen to that. Um, Lord, I'm humbled that you chose me to use me to close out this service. And Lord, I just first and foremost say thank you. Uh, that's all we can say. It's two small words, but it means so much because that's all we have to give. So Lord, we continue to give ourselves unto you because we love you. You've done so much for us and we are unworthy, but we once again humbly say thank you. Lord, I thank you for this service. I thank you for this house. I thank you for all the people here, my brothers and sisters. I thank you for our pastor. I thank you for this home that we call Christ Chapel. And Lord, once again, I say thank you. We are so unworthy, but Lord, we just offer ourselves to you as that living sacrifice. Lord, it's all we have, but it's yours. And I'm thankful for that. So I pray over each and every one of you that you think of this throughout the week. What do you have to give? Are you all in? And I pray you are, because you have so much to give. It may seem so small and minuscule, and it may be all you have, but that's all he's asking for. So just keep those hands open and give it to him, because he can fill you up to overfill and overflow, because you can't give what you don't have. So may he pour into you. I love you all. I love this place. I love God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, guys. God bless you.